Can I pray and keep 2 Corinthians open? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Father, thank you for the privilege it is to hear you speak to us now. Would you help us to trust you and to receive your word deeply in our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Well, uh, one Christmas Eve, uh, I still didn't have a present for my mum. And uh, I was at university at the time. Uh, And although I didn't have lots of money, that wasn't the problem. Um, I was running out of time. Um, So I went to the only store that was open. Uh, This was a while ago. So the only store I could find open was Coles Supermarkets. Um, So looking for inspiration, I walked up and down the aisles. uh, And as you can imagine, it wasn't my finest moment. Uh, You know when people say, at least it's the thought that counts. That's pretty rubbish in that, isn't it? It really didn't count then, that's for sure. Now, there's definitely, um, when it comes to giving gifts, um, I want to ask you, what kind of gift giver are you? You know, if you were to categorise yourself as a gift giver, um, I would be possibly classified as disorganised. Yeah, would you, would you say that? That's been generous, isn't it? But... Um, but maybe um, when you think of yourself as a giver, you might feel a bit like you're an obligated giver. You know, uh, you have these particular people that you want to maintain relationships with, so you feel obligated to give them gifts. Maybe you, maybe you're a transactional giver, or you hate actually receiving gifts. Uh, you know, if you go out for dinner and someone offers to pay for it, what's the thing you might say to them as soon as they offer to pay for it? I'll get the next one. You know, we, we maybe we, we feel like giving is transactional. You give, and then I will give you back. Maybe that's the kind of giving that you consider that transactional giving. Maybe you're not a giver, because um, you know when it comes to Christmas and Kris Kringle, you know that a lot of those presents are just going to go to waste. That's possibly true too. You might give too much and people don't appreciate it, so you might be a regretful giver. Okay, good. Maybe someone else might be regretful. Well, if you're um, disorganised or you're obligated uh, giver, um, we're looking at the idea of giving today as part of what it means to follow Christ. And the key area of what we're looking at in this part of the of discipleship is we want to be generous givers. And we want to be joyful in giving. And so if you're a joyful giver, then we want to know what's your secret. But also we want to look at what the scriptures say because the scriptures remind us that we can have joyful giving. Now when we talk about money or giving, um, we might automatically think that, you know, I'm here to, to get you to, to give more to the church. Uh, and if you're new or you're visiting, um, I want to make it clear, I'm actually not after your money. Um, uh, if, if you're not a Christian particularly, uh, we don't want your money. We want you to see Jesus as the treasure that he is, um, which Maggie helpfully pointed out to us. But for the rest of us, maybe when we talk about giving money, it does make us feel uncomfortable. Maybe we feel like that's a private affair. 
maybe when I talk about giving money, you feel instantly guilty uh, because maybe you think I should be giving more. Or you're anxious about giving more because, boy, living costs, aren't they just kind of increasing and increasing and increasing? And so maybe when, you, when we talk about giving generously, you kind of worry because, well, how do I keep up with this, the costs of living, let alone giving generously? And if you're a law keeper, and some of us are like that, we, we want to know how much do we need to give? Just tell us the answer, Liam. Just tell us how much we need to give and we'll just get on our way. You know, when is it, when is it the point where you pass a certain threshold and you go from not generous to generous? You know, that's what you want to know, okay? If I can hit that, just get to that mark where it's like, oh yeah, we just hit generous, I'm done. Is that, is that how you feel about giving? Well, um, when we talk about giving, it's not necessarily we're talking about giving to the church. It's not necessarily about... Um, uh, giving to the poor, although they're, they're great things. It's just the general attitude of giving in general as a, as a follower of Christ, whether that to be to world mission or to, to poor relief or to extend a family or friends. And so um, when we talk about giving, we're not necessarily just talking about money either. We're talking about our time as well because we may, maybe we don't have much to give in terms of financially, but we do have time to give. So how can we, as devoted imitators of Jesus, be filled with a spirit of generous, joyful giving. Well, in the New Testament passage that we come across today, the, uh, in 2 Corinthians, we, we come across a, a situation where there's a lot of poor uh, people in the churches in Jerusalem. And they reckon that a famine had occurred and this prolonged famine had rendered people poor uh, and ne- in, badly in need of relief. And so Paul the Apostle is arranging a collection of funds to give to these churches back in Jerusalem. And so the Corinthians are a Gentile church, and of course the Jerusalem church is mainly uh, of Jews. But the Corinthians had promised, they had promised actually that they, would, they wanted to contribute, um, but they actually hadn't finalised their contribution. I think they've taken a, a bit of a leaf out of my book, haven't they? They, they, work, they haven't quite organised everything to complete their contribution. And so Paul starts off in chapter 8 talking about um, a, an example of, of a church that actually gave quite a bit, and that's the Macedonian church. And it's remarkable, the Macedonian church, and because if you look at verse 2, they're in the midst of a very severe trial, and yet, with overflowing joy uh, and their extreme poverty... It wells up in rich generosity. And we see that in verse 3 that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entire, uh, ability to give as well. So we have this remarkable example of the Macedonian church. They're overflowing with joy, eager to give. Have you ever been eager to give? I feel like that's a quite foreign thing, to be eager and begging, begging to give. Now, why does Paul use this story? Now, we might think, oh, well, it's to inspire, isn't it? You hear encouraging and inspirational stories of people giving. But actually, I don't think that's it because inspiration only goes for so long. You know, you might be inspired one minute and then the next minute you aren't inspired. Um, Paul actually doesn't want to command these people to give. And he doesn't want them uh, to give 
reluctantly or resentfully. And so we're going to look at chapter 9 uh, to kind of flesh it out. How does Paul want these people to give? And so I might get Liz to bring up the first point. Um, if you're taking notes, this is the first thing we want to look at. Um, generous giving is free from resentment and reluctance. Um, in fact, Paul's actually been boasting to other churches uh, about the Corinthians and their eagerness to help, um, help with the money collection for Jerusalem. And so he wants them to be ready, uh, not just to save them embarrassment, but because he wants them to carry through with the promise. Um, at first it sounds like uh, it's something maybe someone from the mafia might say to someone. If, I don't, uh, this is probably not a helpful way to read the Bible, um, but have a, have a look at verse 5. Of chapter 9. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish their arrangements for the. Okay, that's not how we're supposed to read it, okay? That's not what is going on, okay? It's not a. This is not. Um, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then, and this is the kicker, then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So he wants them to be ready so that they can actually go through with it without feeling coerced or forced or, or have regrets or feel obligated. That's what Paul wants. Um, back in high school, I used to collect basketball cards. Um, I still have them today. Um, I don't, they're somewhere in the house. Uh, and um, I remember um, one of the packets that, you know, you buy packets of cards. Okay, it's very futile. I get it. Okay, thank you. But you open the cards and then out come the cards and you might find a rare card in the pack. And so one, one day I found a rare card of Michael Jordan in the pack, which was worth a little bit. It wasn't like millions, but it was worth a bit of money. And so, I, you know, I put in a little case to keep it, you know, no edges. You don't want to make the edges all tarnished. Okay, so put in the case. One day my brother comes home, his friend is leaving, um, to, uh, and so he want, he's, he's trying to, it sounds like it runs in the family, he's scrambling to find a gift for his friend. Oh man, okay, I'll talk to him later about that. Um, and so he, he asks me, because I think his friend's a, a Michael Jordan fan, whether or not he can take that and give it to his friend. And so what did I do? I reluctantly gave it to him. I didn't really want to give it to him at all. Uh, I, and now I have a few regrets, but uh, I'll, yeah, we'll move on, okay? The key with generous giving as a disciple of Christ is that we want to be people who actually, we want to give. You know, we don't want to be reluctant in giving. And verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 makes that awfully clear. Would you look at verse 7 of chapter 9? Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I think this is the beautiful thing about giving, is that it's really, there's no one set rule about giving generously because it's up to the individual giver to decide what to give. And so we don't want to force people to give and we don't want to manipulate emotionally people to give and we don't want to make people feel guilty either. 
or apply pressure. That's not the way Christian giving ought to be. In fact, God loves a cheerful giver because at the very heart of God is a joy in giving. So what we can glean from this is that it reminds us that God doesn't give to us because he has to. It's not like God has got his arm twisted. No, God gives because it's in his nature to give and he desires to give generously. And that's a great God we follow. So being generous in giving is to decide in our own hearts what to give. Now, the tricky thing maybe for some of us is that... um, It's not actually about how much you give, but how freely you give. And the difficulty with this probably has got something to do with your heart. Why is it that I feel reluctant? Why is it that I'm resentful? Well, it's it's got to do with your heart, isn't it? That's where the decision-making is based. It's in your heart. That's where you decide in your heart what to give. Um, But why is it that we decide our giving in our hearts? Shouldn't we decide with a spreadsheet? You know, get the budget out. Shouldn't we decide where the income stream is? And I, I, actually, I don't think that's a terrible thing. You know, it's okay to decide. But, but the, the, the idea of what, how do you decide in your heart? Well, usually we think our brains, they're the organising principle, isn't it? They're the thing, that's the thinking thing. That'll help us to think what we need to give. But actually, what does Jesus say about your heart? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, actually, your heart is your control centre. What you cherish and treasure in your heart will determine what you value and your direction. So we do need to ask, well, for all of us, we don't need to ask, what actually does capture our heart? What captures our heart's trust and love? And hopefully, as disciples of Jesus, we want our hearts to be captured by God himself. So... Paul is actually not trying to use inspirational stories to get you to give, although that's a lovely thing, but he actually wants to address your heart. And he wants to address the Corinthians' heart as well by shaping it to be generous in your commitments in your heart. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what actually shapes our hearts, and we'll see that in in point number two. Uh, Our hearts are captured um, by the generosity of God. Back in chapter 8, Paul gives us the secret to being generous in giving. And he points to this generous gift to us in verse 9 of chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The Lord Jesus Christ gave up his place in heaven for you. The Lord Jesus Christ, with access to riches uh, that are immeasurable, gave that up to become a son of a carpenter. He didn't even become a son of a doctor. He became a son of a carpenter. He didn't come into wealth. And in fact, when he died on the cross, he took up your debt to make a payment that he didn't need to and you didn't deserve. And it's in order that on the cross we see the wealth and wonder of being saved. That is our riches. It's not financial gain, it's salvation gain. And more than that, we 
we realize actually that Jesus has made a way to make us sons and daughters of the God who owns. What does he own? What does the God of the universe own? The universe. We have an incredible inheritance because our Father is the Father of the whole universe. And so when our hearts see the beauty of God's generosity, that starts to open our hearts to decide how do we be generous. We loosen the grip on money and because we've tightened the grip of God's generosity in our hearts. If God was willing to give up his son for you, if Jesus was willing to give up his life for you, then the question is, well, what won't he provide for you? But more than that, when it comes to our giving, we can be generous because we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of a generous gift that can't be matched. So don't give to gain respect from others. Don't give to make yourself feel better about yourself. We don't give to make God love us more. When we see that in Christ Jesus we have all the treasures and riches of the world, when the security of God's generosity is more real to us than the security or at least the false security of money or the fleeting status that material things bring, then we can loosen our grips on our bank accounts and our possessions and without reluctance and without resentment, we can give. And so the question isn't, how much should I give? That's never the question. Uh, The question now becomes, well, how much can I give? And so joyful, generous giving comes from a heart that is captivated with the generosity of God But also joyful, generous giving comes from a heart that wants to make a difference with what God has gifted us. And that's point number three. And this is our final point. So joyful, generous giving comes from a heart that wants to make a difference. Paul appeals to these Corinthians that when it comes to their giving, the focus is on what their giving can achieve. And he uses this image of farming. Thankfully, it's a simple image that I can get. I'm not a farmer but it's a good, simple image. But it encourages us, I think, this image encourages us to see the desired effect, the outcome, or maybe um, better to say the harvest. Have a look at verse 6 of of, uh, chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. When we read this, we might be inclined to think wrongly about this passage. We might think what Paul is advocating is if you give more, then you get more back. Uh, But when you explore the image, um, I don't think that's actually what Paul is saying. Because when you sow seed, what do you get back? You get the fruit of the harvest, don't you? You don't actually get the the seed back. Uh, You get the harvest. And Paul is wanting us to focus on the harvest. And that's the difference that your giving can make. And in verse 9, Paul then quotes from Psalm 112. And it's good sometimes when when when, when you see Paul quoting, he's actually wanting you to go back and have a look at what Psalm 112 is all about. And I'll give you a tip. It's about a a person who blesses his neighbours, particularly the poor, with generosity and mercy. 
and have a look at verse 9 of, of, of chapter 9. Uh, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Uh, here is a, is, a, is a person who is, who is generous with what they have, and the result is that their righteousness endures forever. Now, righteousness can sound like one of those jargony Christian words, and it is. And righteousness can sound like it's trying to win over God's approval. But in this case, well, it's not. Uh, righteousness in this case is about right relationships. And so we actually give in order to harvest right relationships. Or in other words, we can give generously to make a difference when it comes to relationships. We long for our hearts to see our money and our possessions serving people, serving the poor and the vulnerable, serving those who are socially marginalised or unprotected. Because if we're able to help them, then what happens? They're able to reconnect, restore relationships with society. They're not on the fringes. They're not on the outer. Right relationship, righteousness is what we're after. But more than that, righteousness with a right relationship with God. We want people to be restored to God. We want to see relationships restored between people, but also restored with God. And so the principle here is that you can give generously and you can make a big difference. People in right relationship, um, either through giving by, for, for poor relief or for giving to help services, but also you can give as well so that people will be restored to God in gospel ministry, word ministry, people being restored to God. And so Paul wants your heart to have a greater vision for your giving. He wants you to see the difference your giving can make to people's lives. Don't focus on hoarding wealth. Focus on reaping an incredible harvest of lives impacted. We need to keep our eyes on the horizon and not on the bank balance. And it's not just in our money, but it's also in our time as well. The Apostle Peter says this in his second letter. He writes, um, when talking about the new heavens and new earth, he says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where, does anyone know what the answer is? Righteousness dwells. That's the ultimate future harvest, isn't it? Restored with God, restored with each other, restored with the world. Relationships healed. A future where everything is put right. Everything sad and untrue is gone. And so in anticipation of that harvest, we scatter our gifts now. And the crazy thing is that we can make a difference with, actually, it's not ours. It's actually with what God's given us. That's, the, that's probably the sh- maybe the shock of verse 10. Now he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. <laughs> and the seed actually, in the first place, comes from God. And I think sometimes we forget that, don't we? It doesn't matter how clever you are and how handy your hands are and, what the pay, and maybe there's a, there's a 
great link between your work and your pay packet. Um, but actually, that money that you earn is a gift from God. And actually, all that we have has been given by God for us to steward. And so we can be generous because God has gifted it to us. Um, I actually think this is something really good. I remember being in primary school and um, I was given someone else... I, my lunchbox got mixed up with someone else's lunchbox. And I don't want to say anything about my, parent, my mum in terms of how she made my lunches, but there wasn't many treats. But in this lunchbox, there were plenty of treats. And when you come into such goodness, what do you do? You share the treats with everyone. Because it, well, and then I realised, well, it's easy to be generous with other people's stuff, isn't it? <laughs> really easy. Uh, God has given you whatever. It might be small. It might be a lot. He has given that to you so that you can steward that. We can be generous because God has gifted it to us. And so our giving is actually a response to God's generosity and maybe our hoarding is when we don't actually understand or have it in our heart how generous God has been to us. So when it comes to giving generously, we can, we can make a difference with what God has given us. God's the provider. Well, let's, let's wrap up. Generous giving, it's got to be done willingly, voluntarily, personally, and generously from the heart. And although we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about um, being generously giving money, um, when it's not limited to that. Um, how, do you, how can you use your possessions, your, your home, uh, maybe that spare car? Um, that, how do you use those possessions? But it also we can apply this to your time as well. Um, for some of us, um, maybe we might need to consider uh, we don't actually need to work the amount of hours that we need, but we can use some of our spare time um, to help people teach scripture or um, serve in a different way. When it comes to generous giving, it's not about a tithe. A, a lot of us, maybe we've been brought up to say, well, um, 10%, that's, that's, that's the tithe. Um, but can you see that actually that's not in line with the New Testament. Maybe for the Old Testament, yes, but Christ has fulfilled the law and now you can actually give more generously and maybe for some of you, 10% is just not enough. Actually, it's not... And maybe for some of you, 10% is too much. So don't use a general rule. That might be a good guideline, but don't use that general rule to determine your giving because you've got to look at your circumstances, what's your income, what are your expenses... Uh, 10% isn't going to work for everyone. And that's okay. Because remember, where does generosity come from? It comes from your heart. And I hope that we all long to be generous givers. Because as followers of Jesus, we have benefited from the riches of Christ's life given for us. So the question is, when we talk about money, what does your heart say? What's the emotions that come out when, when I say, uh, be generous? What, what, what are you feeling when I say that to you, because sometimes when you work out how you're feeling about it, it actually tells you a lot about your heart. Um, maybe you feel worried because when you think of your money and your possessions, that you, actually, you actually have your money and possessions because that gives people the impression that you, um, you've made it. 
You know, people look at you and, and think, wow, he's, he's done well with his life. And so maybe that's the idol in your heart. You, you hold on to your money and possessions because you are warning people to think that you've made it. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're angry that I've, I've said to you to be generous. Why? What's going on in your heart? Does your heart see how generosity, um, not begrudging greediness or self-reliance, can bless others and help others as well? And does your heart desire the power that, um, uh, to, to, to bless? And when we work out what's going on in our hearts, then maybe we can loosen our grip on our wallets. God is not after your wallet. He's after your heart. And uh, at the core of what we need in our hearts is to remember and remind ourselves of the generosity of God. I pray. Thanks, Father, for um, this timely word in an age where um, accumulating wealth and possessions seems to be the only way to go. And we see the countercultural um, good news of the gospel and that you desire a generous, joyful heart. So please, Lord, would you reveal the idols of our hearts, help us to keep hearing and being healed and helped by um, the generous news of the gospel that our Lord Jesus did indeed become poor for our sake so that we might have riches um, in salvation and in status. Uh, So Lord, would you keep working our hearts that we might joyfully, generously give Um, without resentment or reluctance. Amen.